Last week, we started a brand new series studying the most famous sermon of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. The sermon starts with what we know as the Beatitudes, or you can look at it as the Beatitudes are the attitudes we need to be. The Beatitudes comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed. But the Greek word here is translated as happy. However, as we learned last week, that happy is not such a great translation because it doesn't make sense that happy are the poor or happy are those who mourn. Because God is actually opposed to poverty and he wants, us, he wants to help us heal from our grief and he wants us to be strong and he wants us to be fed. So happy doesn't really, um, uh, is not a good translation uh, for this word blessed. And also this is not a blueprint to happiness. The Beatitudes are not showing us how we can be a Christian, but they're showing us what an apprentice of Jesus looks like. And so to be blessed means to be favored by God, to be the object or recipient of God's favor, not to just have merely a subjective emotional experience. What God's favor grants us is not a momentary feeling of happiness, but it gives us a true safety and security in Christ. And so Jesus' use of blessed is better understood as his declaration of divine approval. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I approve of you, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And receiving the kingdom of heaven is not a reward that you earn, that God gives um, to those who make themselves poor in spirit. It's a promise that God makes to those whom he's, he's caused to recognize that they are poor in spirit. And I want you to notice that Jesus did not say blessed will be, but he says blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, the purpose of the Beatitudes is not to tell us what we can expect in heaven or some distant future, but the blessings we have received is now. It is the safety and security that we have in Christ And the blessings that are described in the Beatitudes, once again, aren't emotional experiences, but they are the realities of our lives in Christ today. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher, um, said this in regarding the very first Beatitude, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That it is not surprising that we see this as first. As I think we shall see, it is the key that all that follows, he says. There is beyond any question a very definite order in these Beatitudes. Our Lord does not place them in their respective positions haphazardly or accidentally. Uh, There is what we may describe as a spiritual logical sequence to be found here. This, of necessity, is the one which must come at the beginning for the good reason that there is no entry into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God apart from it. There is no one in the kingdom of God who is not poor in spirit. It is the fundamental characteristic of the Christian and of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And all the other characteristics are in a sense the result of this one. As we go to expound it, we shall see that it really means an emptying, while the others are a manifestation of a fullness. We cannot be filled unless we are first empty. And so therefore, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus, as you know, uh, traveled around the area and preached the gospel uh, for different audiences. Uh, He would preach a similar message, but in in their particular context. And there's no doubt that he preached the sermon multiple times. Uh, 
And in the Luke account, he says, blessed are the poor. And he just leaves, he leaves out the, the in spirit. Because to that audience, he's literally talking to the poor, those in poverty. And he wants to emphasize uh, his message to those people. And so the poor in Greek means poor to the point of having, had, having to beg. Because they have no personal resources. They're totally uh, dependent on the gifts of others. We can also define poor as someone who doesn't have enough to take care of himself, is dependent on others to survive, has nothing to offer someone else, or is in permanent debt. And you'll notice that Jesus is trying to transform our understanding of who is favored or who is blessed. Now, I don't know about you, but if if I were to write the Beatitudes or if our culture and society, whether it be present or uh, back then, would rewrite these Beatitudes, the worldview that they would have is blessed is the man that is rich, not poor. Blessed is the man who is always right. Or blessed is the man who is strong. Blessed is the man who is popular. Blessed is the man with the achievements. And in fact, you may even believe that yourself. You look at someone who's achieved a lot, who's accomplished a lot, who's uh, rich, and went, man, you are so blessed. Or someone who's healthy and strong, you are so blessed. I mean, that's that may be our uh, belief and worldview. But for Jesus, another way to think about the phrase poor in spirit might be the word brokenness. Brokenness is evident when you realize you have no bargaining power with God, that you can do only one thing and ask for mercy. You ask for mercy when you have nothing to give in exchange. You have nothing to offer. When you can't even broker a deal with God that you simply come before him and ask him for mercy. And when this happens, there's this absence of defensiveness. You're no longer explaining yourself, excusing yourself. It's the absence of finger pointing. There's no finger pointing at at God when you're broken. And so our question that we have to ask ourselves is, does this describe us? Does this describe me? Because the reality is that no one can be saved unless they realize they're lost, helpless, poor, and needy. And when we come to this place spiritually, we're ready to receive God's wonderful promise that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means recognizing your poverty before God. Uh, You can rewrite these uh, Beatitudes as blessed are those who don't trust in themselves. Blessed are those who are not self-righteous. Blessed are those who are not haughty or prideful. Blessed are those who recognize their need for a Savior. See, because for those who are poor in spirit, they believe that God doesn't owe them. Our pride boasts about our accomplishments, and therefore, because I did this for you, God, you owe me. God, you owe me for my past. God, you owe me for my present, and you owe me for my future. But we have to ask ourselves, what do I have that I did not receive from God? Like, I have nothing, yet He has given me all things. And so blessing comes to those who are poor in spirit. Well, then, what is it meant by being poor in spirit? It it means a complete absence of pride, a complete absence of self-assurance and self-reliance. Poor in spirit means that I am permanently indebted to God, not temporarily, not until I get a good job, not, not until I marry a, a dream spouse, not until I'm happy, not temporarily, but we are permanently indebted to God. 
And I'm sure we forget that sometimes. Sometimes we we are we feel indebted to God when we're broken and uh, desperate. Um, but when things are good, we are no longer indebted to Him. But being poor in spirit is not a temporarily inde- being indebted to God, but it's permanently permanently being indebted to God. Someone once said, "In God's kingdom, brokenness is not something that we hide; it's the price of admission." Woo. So brokenness is our starting point. Sometimes our small groups uh, don't work because we hide our brokenness. We think brokenness is shameful. Some of us can't handle our own brokenness or we can't handle other people's brokenness. But yet it, it is the price of admission into the kingdom of God. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What I want to do now is I want to clarify what poor in spirit is not. Uh, Poor in spirit is not self-condemnation or self-criticism or having poor self-esteem or lacking courage or being passive. It's easy to feel or think that, okay, being poor in spirit, I need to, man, I'm a loser, I'm worthless, I don't measure up. But that's not being poor in spirit. In fact, those are all lies of the enemy. For you are worthy of God's love. He proved it on the cross. You are a child of the King of Kings and have an inheritance in heaven. But being poor in spirit is the realization that I am in darkness without God. It's like walking through the room without a light turned on. That being poor in spirit is this realization that I need God and I need the light on and I need Him to continue in my life to uh, to be my light. It's the realization that I am nothing without God. Being poor in spirit is also not the suppression of your personality. It's not the crushing of your humanity. God is not trying to transform your personality for that is a gift that he's given you. You are a treasure. You are a gift. And so he's not trying to uh, transform your personality. He's trying to transform your character. And so to illustrate what poor in spirit looks like in Scripture, you you see it in the prophet Isaiah when he sees the Lord exalted and lifted high. And his response to that is this, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. You see perfectly, for instance, in the Apostle Peter, who was full of personality. He was naturally aggressive, self-assertive, self-confident, believing in, in himself. But when they were struggling while fishing, Jesus told them to throw the nets to the other side of the boat. And do you remember Peter's response? His response was, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The Apostle Paul said he is the worst of sinners, and he was willing to acknowledge his sinfulness. Now, clearly being the worst of sinners is not an accurate statement because we can't measure our sin on a scale and declare a winner. Yep, Paul, you are the winner, right? No, we, we can't do that. We are all sinners saved by grace. But are we willing to acknowledge it or do we forget and say, I'm not a bad person. I'm actually really nice. Yet Paul recognized that he was the worst of sinners before God. And finally, in the life of Jesus, As you watch him praying, you realize the hours he spent in prayer. 
You can see his poverty of spirit and his reliance upon God. Jesus was dependent on God the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He didn't do things on his own. The Son of God was still dependent on the Father. John 14 says that the words I say to you, Jesus is speaking, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And this is what Paul said about about Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. That though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. A great example also in, in, in the New Testament is written down in Luke 18, uh, 9 through 14, where you have a uh, tax collector and a Pharisee. And they both uh, demonstrate what poor in spirit is and what poor in spirit is not. And so um, the tax collector says, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, like these robbers, these evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Because I fast twice a week and I give tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified, Jesus says, before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And as I was reading over this, I was thinking, what does our church look like? What does the church at large look like? Do we look like more of the Pharisees or do we look like more of the tax collector where we as a church admit and we can recognize that we all confess that we are sinners or do we all uh, project an image that, man, I am, I'm glad I'm not like these bad people or uh, these dirty people that, you know, um, I got, I, I do my best to get my act together. But being poor in spirit, this is where it starts. Understanding who we are in comparison to a holy God. Not in comparison to someone else. Not in comparison to a group of people. But we, it's poor in spirit starts with understanding that the, the comparison starts with us versus a holy God. It's a matter of seeing our sinfulness and poverty before God. It's not a matter of being better or worse than other human beings. Because our pride is going to compare ourselves, not with God, but it's going to compare ourselves with one another. Someone once said that God is not impressed with our resume, but he's impressed with our repentance. And to be blessed by God is to be the recipient of his favor, and it comes as a gift. It's not something that we earn or deserve. It's given just as freely. The Father is under no obligation to bless anyone. We receive it freely without charge. He gives it out of his own grace. And to be poor in spirit is to be brought face to face with your own sinful state. Like I can't teach anyone how to become poor in spirit because it's not a human work but something that the Holy Spirit does within God's um, uh, time in His way. And so the opposite of being poor in spirit is being proud in spirit. And it's very clear we know that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, he says in First Peter. I heard a story of a woodpecker who was pecking away at this tree and then out of nowhere a flash of lightning struck the tree and the, the woodpecker flew away just in time. And, look, and he looked back and he was just 
amazed at what he had done. But clearly it wasn't the woodpecker. And I don't think we realize it, but we are not much different than that woodpecker, if you know what I'm saying. The church in Laodicea was not a good example of what it looks like to be poor in spirit. In Revelation 3.17, John quoted them saying, You say I'm rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. A prideful person does not genuinely seek God, nor seek to please God. A prideful person does not desire to serve and worship God before themselves. And if, if that's the case for a prideful person, then a prideful church has a similar definition, that a prideful church does not genuinely seek God, nor seeks to please God. A prideful church does not desire to serve and worship God before we serve ourselves. That's that consumerism spirit, that we want to serve ourselves first before we serve God. So how does someone become poor in spirit? Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Children generally are trusting and they have this natural ability to trust and and know when they need help. If they need help uh, buttoning a shirt or opening a jar, they, they, they ask, generally speaking. Because in general, children are dependent and they're helpless to some degree. And we need that kind of attitude as well, innately trusting in God to supply what we cannot do for ourselves. How do you become poor in spirit? The answer is you don't look to yourself or begin by trying to do things yourself. The the way we become poor in spirit is we look to God, that we be with God, we be in his presence, we look to him. So many times we look to ourselves and try to do things ourselves, but we cannot be poor in spirit. We have to look to God. Someone said that the key to humility is not focusing on your failures and your sin, but it is focusing on the goodness of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones again said that if a man feels anything in the presence of God other than utter poverty of spirit, it ultimately means that he has never faced him. Poverty in spirit comes as a result of humble repentance and faith in the presence of God. We cannot bring ourselves to be poor in spirit. It's not something that we do ourselves. Rather, it's something that happens to us when we are brought before God. It is the inherent response of a creature before the Creator. Therefore, we must determine to get with God. For those who are poor in spirit are not afraid to ask. The poor is always begging, always asking. And so the poor in spirit will always be asking and seeking for God's presence. I want to quote uh, someone, the posture of our heart is more important than the performance of our hands. And so ultimately, this is a description of who we are as apprentices of Jesus, that I am poor in spirit. I am mourning. I am meek. I am hungry and thirsty. Someone rewrote this interpretation uh, of Matthew 5, and uh, I want to read it to you as we close that um, this hopefully will give a very clear understanding of what blessed and the poor in spirit means. And he says, Approved by God, pleasing to God, are the beggarly, beggarly poor in spirit, who understand that they have nothing in themselves to commend themselves to God and look to Him 
alone for grace. For theirs, and theirs only, is the kingdom of heaven. That when I acknowledge that I have nothing, Jesus becomes our everything. And if we're to be honest, Jesus teaches us that the Sermon on the Mount are for those who know that we can't live by that. Because this is true of the, the law in the Old Testament, that, that you can clearly not uh, be obedient to every single one of the thousands of laws, yet it was given to drive us to God for mercy. Have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. For that is what poor in spirit means. If we would humble ourselves in the presence of God, recognizing that we are dark and lost without him, ours is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over those who are poor in spirit, who are struggling, who are desperate, who are begging and seeking and wanting uh, for you to free them from uh, oppression and their chains and their addictions, uh, their struggles, Lord. Father, we pray for mercy. We pray for grace. We pray for your help, Lord. And God, we thank you that you're close to those who are brokenhearted. We thank you that for those of us in this condition, that we have the kingdom of heaven, that the assurance that we are safe and secure uh, for our souls is just an incredible gift. Thank you, Lord, for that. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.